you have your Bibles, please go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, we got the, uh, the scripture on the screen. It says this. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Matthew 28, uh, 19 and 20 says this. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and I assure you that I will be with you always until the end of the world or the end of the age. And so in this verse, God has a commission for Isaiah. And Isaiah responds to God, and he says what? He says, here I am, send me. We have the great commission. Jesus has commissioned us to do something in this world. And so my question to you this morning, and I want you to think about this as we're going through this message, is how are you going to respond to that commission? Are you going to say, you know what, I don't know, that's, that's probably for somebody else, I don't really, I'm not really feeling it right now? Or, like Isaiah, are you going to say, here I am, send me, okay? So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit uh, this morning. But I want to start off with a question. Big surprise, right? Start off with a question? Have I ever started off with a question before at any of my messages? Um, have you ever been misunderstood? Yes? Many times? Coworker, family member, spouse? Like, I didn't mean that. That's not what I meant to say. Like, what, how did you interpret it that way? A few months back, uh, my family and I went through the drive-through of a, uh, a fast food uh, restaurant, and we ordered, you know, all the things that we were going to eat, and uh, we ordered the drinks, and uh, they got all the drinks wrong. Like all, every single drink that they gave us was the wrong drink. It wasn't that they missed one or two; they missed all the drinks, and it was frustrating because I remember in the drive-through, I was like, they were asking like clarifying questions, like you said diet, diet Pepsi, right? Like, yeah, yeah, diet Pepsi. Okay. Then, but then when they gave me my drinks, I had Mountain Dew Baja Blast. We've never ordered that before. <laughs> it was too late. It was too late. Misunderstanding, right? We've all been misunderstood. We don't like to be misunderstood. And it can happen in life. It can happen with our spouse. It can happen as we interact with people. We're just misunderstood. Nobody likes that. But the same thing can happen in church. The same thing can happen as we interpret scriptures, we can read some scriptures that we can completely misunderstand. And over time, we may have heard scriptures in a certain way, and we may have assumed that the message is a certain message, but it turns out to not be that way. And I want to talk about a big one today. I, I grew up believing that the Great Commission, I grew up believing that the Great Commission was something that it really wasn't. I misunderstood the Great Commission. When I heard the Great Commission, what came into my mind was guilt it was pressure, and it was quick. You got to be quick. And there's a lot of pressure, and it's on you. And there's a lot of guilt associated to the Great Commission. The Great Commission had to do with sharing your faith and basically saving people. And so somebody once taught me th this image. It's the image of a burning building. And inside that burning building, there are people that are going to die. They're going, they're going to burn in that burning building if you're not quick to run inside and get out as many people as possible. 
That was how I understood the Great Commission. It was my responsibility to be quick, to get people out of the burning building, which was this world, which was coming to an end, and we had to be quick because the, because the time was short, and the more people that I saved, I could get the credit because I took these people out of this quote-unquote burning building, I saved their lives. So there was, there was guilt, and there was also, uh, uh, there was also uh, glory for yourself, right? So if I saved a person, that was because I saved them. But if that person wasn't, I didn't, like, I messed up my lines because we had certain lines that we had to say to certain people to be able to, to make them do the sinner's prayer. If I messed up my lines, that person was going to spend eternity in hell because of my fault. But on the flip side, if I did save that person, that person was now going to heaven because of me. So there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure um, as, a, as a kid growing up. Um, it was this whole idea of what, what's going to happen to the church if we don't start saving people. The church is going to die if we don't save people. The fate of the church lies in our hands, right? Wrong. Listen to the words of Jesus. Matthew 16, 18 says this, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He says, I will build my church. On, on what? On the fact that I am the Messiah. I am going to build my church. Brothers and sisters, the church is not in danger. Why? Because it is not us who build it, it is not us who maintain it, and it's not us who sustain it. It's all Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. This church, our church, has been alive for 153 years. The church, the church, Big C Church, has been alive over 2,000 years now. And the reason why it's gone on for so long, and it's been, by the way, the only organization that has lasted that long, it's not because we've had great pastors, it's not because we've had great finances, it's not because we have had great strategies, it's because the head of the church is Jesus. And the church is not in danger. Okay, And this church has been around for a while, too. And we're here now, not because of me, not because of the elders, not because of the leaders. It was here before we got here, and it will continue by the grace of God after we're gone. So the bottom line is this. When it comes to, to the Great Commission, this is, this is the thing about the Great Commission and us sharing our faith. If God wants someone to be saved, he will save them. If we don't want to be the ones participating in that salvation, he will pick somebody else. God is not up in heaven saying, hey, if Josh won't talk to that person, I don't know what I'm going to do. He will do it. It is his work from beginning to end. God does all the work. God calls, God saves, and God gives growth. John 6, 44. God calls, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them in, and I will raise them up on the last day. Number two, God is the one that saves, Acts 4, 12. Salvation is found in no one else. Jesus, right? For there's no one under the, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. First Corinthians 3, 6 
says, I planted this seed. This is about growth. I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. You see, I hate to break it to you, but, but not much hangs in the balance of our participation in God's redemption work on earth. Which brings me to a story that I think I've, I've shared before. I, I pastored a church in, in Chile, in South America, for six years, and we had, we had three other churches in the islands of Chiloé, which is down south. In Chile, there's an archipelago, and there's, there's several islands there. We had three different churches that we would visit there, and, and it was a very primitive living uh, back there. We would go, and we would visit these houses, and there was this one house that we visited, and we spent some time with that family, and then after we spent time with that family, uh, the owner of the house says, hey, you guys can go outside. I have a gift for you. Uh, take as many apples from the tree as you want. And so, okay, so we got, you know, the bags, and we started picking apples from the tree. And then the, the guy comes out, and he watches what we're doing, and he starts laughing. And we're like, wait, why is he laughing? He's like, get out of my way. He's moved, he kind of gets us out of the way and grabs a stick and starts hitting the tree, and all the apples fell down, the apples that were ready. Which were the apples that fell? Ripe. The apples that were ripe. They, were, they had been prepared, right? So they were ready. And so that day, I, I learned a valuable lesson when it comes to our participation in the work that only God can do. When I realized that just like in nature, God does all the work. We are just the ones that are picking the fruit that has been prepared by God. You see, that's why Jesus uses examples about fishing. And he uses examples about sowing, sowing seed. The, fisher, the, the, the fisherman, right, he just he tosses the net and that's it. He can't do much more. Everything else is in God's hands. The guy who sows the seed, he can, you know, spread the seed, and he can't do much else other than that. God is the one that does all the rest of the work. And so, just like we don't make the apples ripe, just like we don't bring the fish, just like we don't make the seed sprout, we don't save people. I, maybe this is obvious to you. It wasn't obvious to me. I thought that my participation was essential in the salvation of people. John 4, 35 says this. You, don't you have a saying, it is still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He's talking about people. And here's the point. There are people around you today, right now, in this day, that are ready, and there are others that aren't ready yet. Um... And it's not up to you or me to determine who's ripe and who's not ready to be, let's say, quote-unquote, harvested. I used to think that the Great Commission was about me preparing the fruit. There was a lot of anxiety. There was a lot of stress. There was a lot of guilt. There was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of insistence. Like, hey, come on, man. Hey, come on, man. Get baptized. Get baptized. Yeah, give your life to Christ. Do the sinner's prayer, you know, because time is short. You got to do it quick. So I felt that pressure and I felt that guilt if the person didn't respond because I felt like I was doing something wrong somehow. John 6, 44, I don't think we have that scripture there, but, but it says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws them. This is important to understand or else here's what will happen. You'll harvest too early. You'll harvest too early. Have you ever tasted an apple that's not ripe? Doesn't, that's not, it's not great, right? It's not ready. You harvested it too, too early. Um, I grew up in a, in a culture where there was a lot of 
this happening. There was a lot of, a lot of pressure, a lot of emotional moments in which there would be music and then come to Jesus, come to Jesus, which, which I'm not saying it's bad. In essence, it's not bad. But what I would see is a lot of pressure and a lot of the time is now, come, 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 you know, come to this moment. It was emotional. There's a lot of pressure. There, there's a lot of insistence. And then people would do the sinner's prayer, right, or, or do whatever they're going to do. Um, but then a little bit later, they would be back to their old life. You see, there's a time when it is right, and only God knows that time because he's the one doing the work. God only knows that time. We don't have the ability to know that. We have one job that can be described as planting seed. It can be described as hitting that tree. It can be described as tossing the net. That's what we do. What do we do? We share our faith. We're just open with people. We tell them about our experience with God. We tell them who Jesus is. We tell them what he did for us. You know, everything else is in God's department. I have a funny story I've shared before. My best friend in Chile. Um, so some of you guys know my, my, my backstory and all the dumb stuff that I did as I was in college. Well, I knew this guy in high school. We met in high school. Best friends to this day. We're still best friends. And I got my life kind of back together when I got married. But he kept going. Like he, he went hard, just kept going for 15 years afterwards. And I would call him on the phone. We'd talk. We still uh, continued having our, our friendship. But I would always say, dude, you got to get back in church. You got to give your life to Jesus. Like you have, like this is important. It's, it's an important thing for you. It's an important thing for your family. Time went by. Nothing happened. I kind of backed away a little bit but kept praying for him. And he sent me a picture I, don't, I can't remember if he sent me a picture of his baptism or he sent me a picture of, of him coming to church, but I thought it was a joke. Like, when he sent me that picture, I'm like, dude, you're just messing with me, right? But then I realized that that picture that he sent me was him getting baptized. He had been already participating in a church three months earlier, and I saw that picture, and he was getting baptized. And you know, <laughs> you know what my reaction was? I got mad. And the reason why I got mad was like, why does that pastor get to baptize him when I did all the work? <laughs> but what I didn't realize, it just, it wasn't the right time. So what we do is we, we, we plant the seed, we toss, you know, the net, we hit that tree, we, we do our part, but it is God that does all the work. It just wasn't the right time. He hadn't ripened yet. And this is why at this church, we don't, we don't put pressure on people. Hopefully, you don't feel that pressure of, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to do that. Because I don't believe that that's the way, I don't, I don't want you to do anything because I'm telling you or asking you to do it. I want you to do things because God has called you and is moving you forward because that is the only way that it will be sustainable. You don't answer to me, you answer to God. It's between you and God. I want you to connect to God and that God will do the work inside of you and hopefully I and we will be helpful in that process. And so this is a church of wide open doors. We say it every Sunday. And maybe, maybe you're here and you want to get baptized. Maybe God's talking to your heart right now and you want to be baptized. Well, talk to me after service. We'll baptize you next Sunday, right? But, but seriously, like if, if that's something that God is putting in your heart, we will do that. But it's, it's organic. It's in its time. And God is the one that has got this. Now, I know that it's very possible that there are people here, and you're thinking about the people around you, like the people that you love, and you're concerned. 
You're concerned because they're not involved in church or they're, they haven't given their lives to Jesus or they've, they were part of a church or this church or a church for a while and then they, they sort of went off and did their own thing and you're worried. And maybe you're, you're, you're telling them, you got to come to church, you got to come to church, you got to come to church, you're insisting on them. And you feel like you, you have a big part to play in that. And, and, and yes, yes, God will use you. But let me tell you what happened in my own life. And I've told you this before. Um, as I was doing my own thing in my life, my mom was the one that was always insisting on, you got to get back to church, you got to get right with Jesus. But then she, she backed off, and all she did was pray for me. She prayed, she prayed, and she prayed a lot. She had a group of women, they would just they would pray for me. You know, they were concerned. And as a result of that, you know, yes, know a little bit of my story, God grabbed my heart, and it was God that did it. And I wasn't doing it for any other reason. I wasn't trying to please anybody. It was literally God grabbing my heart and changing me from the inside out. And so maybe here today, you have someone in your life that you're concerned about. I want to say, they probably already know what you would like them to do. I would say switch it up and just start praying. He will, God will answer that prayer. I truly believe he will answer that prayer. Um, so what is our responsibility here? Well, we share our faith. This is what we do. And you may ask yourself, well, why, why should we do anything if it is God who calls, God who saves, and God who gives growth? The most important reason is this, because the Bible says so. Right? We should do it because the Bible says so. First um, Peter 3.15 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. We are called to share our faith. Not because the future of the church depends on us sharing our faith, and not because the salvation of our friends depends on us sharing our faith, but because this is our commission. We've been commissioned by God to do this. And so my question to you this morning is, how are you going to answer this question? Are you going to say, this is not really for me? Or, like Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Now, I understand that not everyone has the gift of evangelism. Some people have the gift of evangelism. Like, you'll be, you'll be at, the, at the supermarket buying deodorant, and you'll be talking to the person next to you. You're sharing your faith. That's just your gift. And he, but, but here's the thing, even if you don't have the gift, you still have the calling. It, this is still for all of us, okay? And so, so this leads me to a question because I was, I was talking to someone this morning about this and we were talking about sharing your faith with, with others. And, and this leads me to a question. Have you, have you noticed how easy it is to talk to someone about a movie that you just watched that you loved. It just comes out natural. Oh my gosh, I saw this movie and you're just sharing it. It's just, it's natural. You don't have to think about it. You just go and you share the movie because you love the movie. You don't even think about it. Why is that not true generally with our faith and with our experience with God? And I'm not saying this to guilt you because I, that's how I grew up. It's like, you should, you should share your faith like you share about that movie. And I'm like, oh, so I got to like make up some excitement about the gospel so that people can believe that I'm actually excited about something that I'm really not that excited about. But I feel like I have to do it. So how do we resolve this? Because maybe you're here and you're feeling the pressure of sharing your faith, 
But the reality is that you're kind of like not, I mean, yes, you may look back at a time in your life when you were on fire for God, and you look back at those times, and you're like, man, that was so great. My, my, I would just share my faith with anyone that, would, that I would come into contact with because it was so fresh. So what's happening right now? What's going on in our lives? How do you feel about the faith that you profess? I'll, I'll ask the question in a different way. Um, are you, I think I've said this before, when it comes to the Great Commission, are you, are you a travel agent or are you a tour guide? Okay. So, so a travel agent is going to talk to you about places they've never been. A travel agent is going to talk to you about restaurants they've never tasted the food. A travel agent is going to talk to you about tours they've never taken, right? A tour guide is going to talk to you about that restaurant. Man, that restaurant over there on that corner, you've got to go there. The price is good. The food is really delicious. And the, they're going to talk to you about things that they have experienced, and so it's going to come out in a different way. I think that it is possible that some of you here are travel agents when it comes to the gospel. You're talking about things that you think might be great, but I don't know how much you are experiencing them right now. Maybe you look back and you're like, like a Revelation chapter 2, you know, the church in, in Ephesus, I have this one thing against you that you've lost your first love. And maybe it's time to rekindle that. And so are you living a life that is worth, like are you, are you living a life with Christ in faith that is, that is exciting enough to share with others. And so here's what I'll say, is that I think that we have, there's a, there's a gap that we're missing in our lives, perhaps some of you, maybe many of you, I'm talking to myself too, and it is creating a space in your life for God to show up and stretch your faith. What I mean by this is I think that we should live our Christian life this way. We should live with one foot in the known and then one foot in the unknown. And here's what I mean by that. Two, two feet in the known is a boring life. There's no challenges. There's no room for faith. You know what's going to happen. Two feet in the unknown is a, is a reckless life, probably the irresponsible life. But if you have one foot in the known and then one foot in the unknown, then you create the space for you to constantly see God moving in your life. Does that make sense? And so last Sunday was one of those Sundays for me. Last Sunday was a Sunday where I was like, man, I... I feel so strongly in my heart that I need to, that I need to talk about tithing. That's, probably, that's maybe why there's so many empty seats today. <laughs> Should talk about tithing. And I felt this so strong in my heart that I had to do that. But I don't think I had ever preached on that topic, but I knew that the Bible talks about it, and where, where the Bible speaks, we speak, and where the Bible's silent, we're silent. So I needed to share that. And I was scared. But I went and I did it. And you know, last Sunday... We receive almost three times what we receive on a regular Sunday for offering. The reason why I share that with you today is because I feel like that's just sort of something that we should, we should be doing as a, as a church, like in your life. That's why I'm talking about sharing your faith. Maybe it scares you, but then there's a story there of God showing up in that moment that you can share about. Man, I was so nervous, but I went and I went and I shared, and you know, he said no, or she said no, but still it opened up a door. Or maybe, yes, they did decide to come, or maybe they just said no, but there's something in my heart that I'm like, man, I think I can do this. I think I can, I can change the way that I approach people in general. There's something there in your life that I want to help you 
hopefully try to ignite. Um, I think sometimes we live lives that are way too safe. Um, and when you create a space, then you have stories to tell about what God has done. It's like the disciples of Jesus. We can't help but share what we have seen and we have heard. Not share what someone told me that they heard and they saw. No, I saw this. I saw Jesus interact in my life. And I just can't help it. Like, this literally just happened. I just wanted you to know. And then your life starts to, uh, to get more... Uh, more exciting, and you can see God working in your life more. Um, some of you guys here, maybe you say, I remember times when I was so filled with the joy of my salvation. I think that's possible for many of us. You look back, and there was that moment, but life happened. Work, problems, debt, diseases, sins, and I no longer have like a lot to share. Like I'm coming to church, but it's like my, my, my spiritual life is like, it's okay, but there's nothing really happening to where I can say, man, and then God showed up, and then God showed up, and then God showed up. I think it's time to get that back. That's part of what this message is all about. So I'm going to end with this here. Last Sunday was really special for a lot of reasons. For those of you who are here, last Sunday, for me at least, was a very special Sunday. It was a Sunday, it wasn't just... I talked about tithing, but it wasn't really the, 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 me, the message, the, the center of the message. I was talking about vision, and I was talking about how I truly, truly believe that not only every Sunday here in the, in, in the future of our church, in the near future of our church, it's not only going to be people raising their hands because they're here for the first time, but we're going to see that baptistry baptizing people every single Sunday. I truly believe that. And when I shared that, you started clapping. And I was like, wow, that's new, because you guys aren't like clap. That's not a normal thing that happens. It happens sometimes, but not always, you know? But I, when I thought about that, I'm like, man, there, there is something, there is something about what I shared that connected with you. There was something there that it wasn't just me. It was like I have this conviction, and I feel like I shared that, and, and almost like it became your own conviction as well, that this was something that was going to happen. And when I thought about that, here's, here's the, the next thought that I have. It's going to take more than clapping. That's what I thought. It's going to take more than clapping. Now, God does all the work, but do you know how you grow a church? Some people may think, oh, it's the publicity, it's the great website, it's the great lights, it's an amazing flyer, it's an Instagram presence, it's an impressive facilities, it's cool music. Hey, all that stuff is great, but these things contribute much less than you could possibly imagine. The one thing that surpasses all strategies is good old-fashioned mouth-to-mouth. It is you talking to your friend, bringing them to church. That's how you grow a church. I can't do this on my own. We need to do this together. So let me ask you a question <coughs> Excuse me. before I close here. How many of you guys are now connected to Jesus or to a church as a result of, of someone, a, a human person that put himself before you to bring you or to talk to you. Okay, that's, that's most of you. That's most of you in here. And so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Next Sunday, big Sunday, next Sunday, you, have a, you got a flyer right there. Um, and here's what I want to ask you to do. Um, one second. I want you to grab your phone. I want you to grab your phone, Okay. And I want you to go to the message section. Grab, grab, your, grab your iPhone. I'm going to call you on this, by the way. At least fake it like you're doing it. 
and you're going to go to the person that you're going to invite. That's what I'm saying. He has to be like someone that you know, that you have their phone number. This is my mechanic. His name is Jeff. And I'm writing here, hi, I would like to invite you to church next Sunday. Okay, there it is. All right, when you're ready, lift up your phone so I know you're done. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a prayer. Then after we pray, we're all going to push sand together. Okay? I've only seen, like, there it is. Okay. All right, over there, over there, back there, back there. Okay? Excellent, excellent. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray... We're going to pray. Somehow I lost. Um, okay, hi. It's, I lost the message. Hi. I don't know how. This is literally, I'm, I'm having to write it again. I would like <laughs> invite you to church next Sunday. Next Sunday. Okay, cool. All right, there it is. There it is. All right, let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you because you're a good God. Thank you because you never leave us, you never forsake us. Thank you, Lord, because you have given us a beautiful, beautiful commission. We recognize that this is not on us, but it is a beautiful thing that you've allowed for us to participate in. And so, Lord God, I thank you for everyone who has this person in their mind that they're going to invite to church next Sunday. We pray that they will be here. We pray that they will be here, that they will come to church and that many people will be able to find hope in you. And so we pray these things and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Okay, ready to send? One, two, three, send. There it is. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. Okay.